Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Good morning, City Walk Church. How are we all doing today? Hi, that's a lot of energy. I'm not ready for that. Um, Thank you for being here. Um, It's exciting to be here. For those of you that don't know me, uh, my name's Rob. I'm the director of guest experience here at City Walk Church. And I'm I'm just glad that you're here with us today. Glad that you're joining us online if you're watching out there. Thank you for being there and happy Father's Day. Now, you're welcome. Now, outside of uh, being the director of guest experience here, I have a few other titles. By day, I'm a banker. I play with people's money all day long. It's a lot of fun. Um, I'm a father, which is probably my most valued title, a husband. Um, but father is probably one of the ones that I'm, I'm proudest of. Uh, now, let me tell you a little bit about how I grew up. I grew up in Gridley, just up the road, and we didn't have tons of money growing up. So we watch a lot of TV. I'm not talking like, like the new episodes, the new shows out there, all reruns. Things like Dick Van Dyke show, the Donna Reed show, my three sons, and every once in a while, Father Knows Best. You guys have seen that one? Yes? Father Knows Best? So we're going to play a little Father Knows Best this morning in honor of Father's Day. I've got three volunteers, voluntolds, they are willingly coming up here to, to join us today. So come on up, guys. Let's give them a round of applause. So while they're coming up, I'll show you a picture here. This is, this is me uh, watching TV here a few years back. Um, I've always been a fan of TV, right up in the front, as often as I could watching TV. Now the TV that you're looking at now is a TV that we had up until I was about in high school. It's one of those little ones where you had to change the dials. 13 channels, not all of them worked. Um, Father Knows Best though, it was a great show. So what we're doing today, we've got Steve Gledhill, Steve Whitmore, Randy Jewell joining us, all fathers. So we're gonna play Father Knows Best with our friends here. And they're gonna share with us today the all-important question of what is your favorite snack? Fathers love snacks, right? right. Of course. So I'll start out with Mr. Gledhill here. Can you please tell us in 20 seconds or less what your favorite snack is and explain to them why? Okay, you take a... a, a oh, wait, wait, one second, one second. As much as I like you guys, I didn't want to share my okay. mic with you. Okay, you take a 32-ounce gla- cup, glass. You fill it three-quarters of the way up with natural vanilla ice cream from Breyer's brand. Then you put three tablespoons of malt, that stuff you buy in the carnation uh, thing, and then, um, then you, and then, uh, I do, but you're only, you should only do three. Then you pour the rest, you fill it up the rest with root beer, then you take a big spoon and you stir it up until it's like a milkshake. And then it's the right texture, the right temperature, and the right taste. It's awesome. awesome. All right. 
Thank you very much. That's a lot of detail. It sounds good though. All right, Mr. Whitmore, what do you got for us? All right, mine's a little simpler. Mine's the honey graham cracker. If you're anything like me, uh, you can't have just one. Luckily, there's like eight in a pack. But if one is too many, uh, you can split it right in half and share with someone. Um, so it makes perfect portions for, uh, for that treat. Plus, what happens when you combine marshmallows, chocolate, and a honey graham cracker? You get the perfect s'more, which uh, you can't have a great s'more without a honey graham cracker. So. All right, the s'mores. Thank you very much, Steve. Randy, what do you got for us? Friendly competition. Popcorn. <laughs> Love it. You can have it healthy. You can have it unhealthy. If you want it healthy, you do it in an air popper. No calories, no nothing. Still got good stuff in there like zinc. Makes you healthy. If you want it bad, like I did when I was a kid, we took the bacon grease and we cooked the popcorn in it. Now you have bacon flavored popcorn. That is delicious. You can have caramel popcorn. You can have cheese flavored popcorn. You can have popcorn any way you want it. You can have it hot. You can have it cold. It's delicious. <laughs> and that's why popcorn's my favorite snack. All right. All right, thanks to all three of you. Some great opinions there. I'm just gonna set this down real quick. Oh wait, before you leave though, we need to ask. Okay, so we'll start here at the end. Randy, who agrees with Randy that popcorn is the best? Out there, round of applause. All right, who agrees that graham crackers are the best with Steve? And who's going, I, I couldn't make a whole root beer float, but. <laughs> Thank you. All right, so we've got, I think Steve won. But again, another round of applause. Thank you very much, fathers. <laughs> okay, now on to business. So we had some great opinions out here and a lot of fun. Father knows best, right? Now when it comes down to it, as good as those arguments were, and as hungry as I am now, when it comes down to it, those are just opinions. They're just choices, right? At the end of the day, what they were talking about doesn't really matter all that much. Life is full of choices. You've got the style of music you can listen to, right? You can listen to different kinds of music. There are different fashion choices. You can choose how you choose to entertain yourself. And when it gets down to food, food gets a little crazy. You can choose your favorite cuisine. You can choose your favorite dish within that cuisine. You can choose your favorite restaurant that makes that dish within that cuisine, right? or you can just make it yourself at home. There are tons of options out there. Life is full of choices. And really when it comes down to it, those choices don't matter all that much. They're an opinion. Take it or leave it, life goes on, right? Now, there are some choices that you can make that are vitally important. Some choices are life-changing and quite possibly eternity-changing. And that's what we're talking about today. The debate of truth. The debate of truth has been going on since the beginning of time. Truth versus fallacy. Good versus evil. Right versus wrong. Sound familiar, right? Now the world would have us believe now, if you've been out there in the world at all, the world would have you believe that there is no right or wrong, really. There's no truth, there's no fallacy. There's no good or evil. There's whatever you think is right, and there your truth is, right? As a world, we've got it backwards. It's all about, quote unquote, 
defining your own truth. Anyone ever hear that phrase before? Defining your own truth? You choose what you think is truth, and you live your life accordingly. It's gone way past favorite types of movies. It's gone past the favorite place to take a vacation. The approach to truth has even seeped into religion. And as a world, again, we've got it backwards. We're told that we need to decide, as a, as a person, we need to decide what our truth is and find the religion that matches it. Any idea how many religions there are in the world out there today? As of right now, I really have no clue. A survey done back in 2016, there were over 4,300 different religions in the world today. 4,300. I can't even fathom 4,300 different belief systems. The large majority of those are based on exactly what we're talking about. About someone deciding, this is what my truth is, this is what I think the truth is, and as opposed to going and verifying whether or not it's actually truth, I'm just going to make my own religion about it and call it good. It's backwards. Some of my favorite Star Wars fans out there, Jediism is an actual religion now. You could actually find a Jedi church. Someone took that belief, someone took that, that fan base and said, you know what, I believe this movie so much, it's now my religious system. Seinfeld fans, you can find celebrations of Festivus, and if you watch Seinfeld, you know what I'm talking about. You can watch celebrations and attend Festivus celebrations all over the world because someone took this little belief, this little idea from a show, and made it their identity. They made it their truth. One of my favorites that I found out there is Pastafarianism. Pastafari that's right, Pastafarianism, also known as the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. It's a real church, it exists out there. Someone decided that that was their truth, and that's now their religion. So of these 4,300 plus options out there, when it comes down to it, how do we know what truth is? What is truth? Fortunately, people have been asking this question for years, for centuries. And we can find the answer in the book of James, which is where we're at today. We're going to be in chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. And James gives us some simple steps to be able to identify the truth, embrace it, and live by it. He's going to teach us that we need to seek the truth, we need to internalize it, and we need to act on it. If you follow these steps, not only will you find truth out there, but it will become a part of your identity. And no matter where you're at or what situation you're in, there is one thing that remains constant, and that is God's truth. Really, when it comes down to it, what we do with God's truth defines who we are. We've got to live truth. Now, before we dive into the, to the book today, let's go ahead and pray real quick. God, we thank you, Lord, for your truth. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the ability to seek and to find what you have in store for us. We thank you for your blessings. And we pray, God, today that you would open up your word to us and help us to internalize it and to make it a part of who we are. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, now seek. The book of James... We've talked about it a few, for a few weeks now. The book of James is written to the early Jewish Christian church. We don't know the exact date, but we're somewhere around 45 to 50 AD, which is when this was written. 
And that makes it one of the first recorded letters to the early Christian church out there. Some pretty cool stuff. Now, putting ourselves in that mindset back there, let's think about where these people were at when they were reading this letter. These are the early Jewish Christian church. These are people that are rooted in over 1,500 years of stark tradition. They're the people of Israel. They've been following that same law that's been passed down from generation to generation to generation, and then all of a sudden, bam! Everything's changed. Everything that you thought you knew about practicing religion has changed. That old law, that old tradition, mm -mm, it's been done away with. That hope that grandma used to tell you about, that bedtime story she used to tell you about, this future is coming, this hope is coming, it's suddenly been realized, and the world doesn't know how to deal with it. Everyone around me has a different opinion. Is this a good change? Is this a bad change? What do I do with it? Who do I listen to? That's what the people reading James's letter for the first time were likely thinking. And what does James instruct them to do? First, to seek the truth. This is how James puts it beginning in verse 19. He says, My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Now, it may surprise you to know that mankind's reaction to new information or unfamiliar opinion hasn't changed at all over the years. Now, it's a bit more in your face these days with social media, but our reaction is pretty much the same. I don't know about you, but if I'm on social media and I see something I don't like or something I don't want to see, I don't stop and look at it. I just keep on scrolling. I don't want to be bothered with it. I just keep on scrolling. If it persists, sometimes I'll get frustrated. Sometimes I'll see a friend or family member that has drastically different opinions on religion than I do, and I'll get a little angry about it. And I'll do a deep dive into their posts, and I'll see who's saying what, and I'll get angrier and angrier, and it does absolutely no good at all. But that's what my reaction is. Am I alone? Anybody else? Yeah. I think we've probably all been there. The people in James were probably reacting the same way. This new idea that was spreading around them, this new idea that Jesus had come, that Jesus was a savior. And James's response right here is said, hey guys, hold up, slow down a bit. Let's take a step back and let's talk through this. What does he say? He says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. You wanna be quick to walk away. You wanna be quick to ignore what I'm saying, but hey, take a step back. Listen to what I'm really saying. You wanna be quick to throw out your opinion or argument, but James is saying, no, no, wait. Be slow to speak. Fight that desire to respond. Pause for a second and take it in. You wanna get mad at me because of what I'm saying does a complete 180 on your opinion, on everything that you thought you believed, but wait. Be slow to anger. Consider what I'm saying. Don't let your emotions drive your reaction. Why? He tells us in verse 20. He says, for human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. James is telling him, guys, hit pause for just a second and let's have a conversation. Don't reject Jesus just because it doesn't fall in line with your truth. He's telling him, seek the truth. And this idea isn't new. God's messengers have been saying for centuries, you need to seek 
the truth. All the way back in Proverbs, we're told the same thing. Proverbs 12, 15 tells us, A fool's way is right in his own eyes, but whoever listens to counsel is wise. Does this sound familiar to you guys? Have any of you been there before? Look at your own lives for a second. What is it that you're scrolling past that maybe deserves your attention? Maybe you're hearing this this morning, and there's something in your life that you know is a little bit off. Maybe there's something in your life that you've heard is possibly sin, but you don't want it to be true, so you keep on scrolling. Maybe there's a lifestyle change out there that you know in your heart, you know in the back of your head, I need to make that change. But doing so would do a complete 180 on my life, and I, I don't think I can handle that. Does that describe you? If that's you, please take James's word to heart. Stop scrolling past the issue. Pause for a second and seek the truth. Now, for some of you, maybe you're in the same boat as the people hearing James's message for the first time. This idea, this idea that Jesus came and lived is new and unfamiliar to you. If that's you, the advice is still the same. Lay aside what you think you know is right. Lay aside your truth for a second and consider why God's truth, consider what God's truth may actually be. And why? Because what we do with God's truth defines who we are. Now it's pretty bold, but how do they put it in Proverbs? He says we can be defined as fools if we follow our own way, or we can be defined as wise and seek the counsel of God. Now you may be sitting there asking, is it possible, Rob? Is it possible for me to change what I think? Is it possible for me to change what I believe? Can I do that? I'm living proof that you can. I started my road down to faith, kicking and screaming like you wouldn't believe. I spent my entire life following a misguided faith, and it was on that path that I realized, I'm not going the right way, I need to go somewhere else, and I don't know how to do it. So I started out ignoring the truth. I started out saying, you know what, I don't want to listen to it, I'm just going to move on with my life and things will be fine. That ignoring quickly went, quickly went to arguing. I didn't want to hear that I had been wrong my entire life. I didn't want to hear that I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't want to hear that I was headed down the wrong path still. I didn't want to know about it. And that soon erupted into anger and frustration. I can't keep doing this. I can't do it. I can't, I can't deal with this, this conflict in my head. So I literally shut the book and said, you know what? I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And that's how I lived my life for a couple years. And it wasn't until a pastor invited me to lunch one day. He didn't really know me all that well, but he invited me to lunch and then back to his office for a little conversation. And in that conversation, he asked me a really frank question. He said, put aside your frustration, put aside what you think you know, and consider for a second, what if this is true? You know you're wrong. You've admitted that you know where you were at isn't a good place. What if this thing, what if Jesus is true? What are the implications in your life if that fact is true? What does that mean to you? 
And as, as simple as that sounds, as that one question was life-changing. He didn't know it at the time, but a few years before, I had been asked a very similar question about where I was at and asked me, what if you're wrong? Putting those two thoughts together, it took about four years for those two dots to connect, but the what if I'm wrong and the what if, you're, what if this is right eventually met in the middle. And in one lunch, me pausing for a second to consider what the truth is, to lay my opinion aside and consider God's truth was absolutely life-changing. At that moment, what James keeps saying here in the next verse, in verse 21, became a reality for me in my life. This is what he says. He says in 21, Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent, he says, humbly receive the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Now, the path that led me there was new to me. But it's exactly what I needed. And it's exactly what James was talking about here almost 2,000 years ago. He's saying, be quick to, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. James says, lay your pride aside and humbly receive his word. He's saying, you need to seek the truth, not your truth. Seek the truth and find salvation. Now, as James keeps writing, simply finding the truth isn't enough. It doesn't stop at finding it. Okay, I'm gonna play a game for a minute. Imagine for a minute that you find a million dollars on the side of the road. Don't ask me how it got there, but there's a million dollars lying on the side of the road. Pull your car over, pick it up, and you've got it in your hand. What could you do with a million dollars? It's a long list. My life, there's debt I can pay off. There's cars I can repair. Forget the car repairs. There's cars I can buy. There's college for my kids, right? Paid for. And if I'm feeling a little lucky, I may gamble and spin it on a full tank of gas. I don't know. Feeling pretty good. But the possibilities are endless, right? A million dollars in your hand. What are you going to do with it? Now take that same million dollars and throw it back out the window. I don't need it. Gone. It's the same thing. That thing might as well be a stack of paper if you don't do anything with it. How are we going to use it? The same thing applies to truth. What we do with God's truth defines who we are. So you found truth. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to spend it on? How are you going to take this truth and make it real in your life? And that's James' second point, you internalize it. This is how James puts it in verse 22. He tells us, Be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Now, I, do, I do really like how blunt these guys are sometimes. He doesn't mince words. He says, guys, it's not enough to just hear about it. It's got to mean something to you. You can't just be hearers of the word. You must be doers. Last week, if you tuned in, uh, Chris shared a verse with us that tells us the exact same thing. In Romans 2.13, this is what Paul says to the Romans. He says, for the hearers of the law are not righteous before God, but the doers of the law will be justified. James and Paul had the same message. They're both telling us the same thing. They're saying, 
It's not enough to just hear about the truth. It's not enough to go to church. It's not enough to just listen to a podcast. It's not enough to even sit and just read your Bible. There's more to truth than just hearing it and reading it. But wait. Is Rob saying that it's, you shouldn't read your Bible? No, I'm not saying that. Yes, you should read your Bible. Yes, you should go to church. Yes, you should find your favorite Christian podcast out there and listen to them. You should do all of those things. But there's so much more to it. If you're going to listen to those things, if you're going to come to church and sit there, if you're going to read the Bible and then turn around and live your life exactly like you were living it before, then really, what's the point? Why does it matter? The Word of God is powerful. God's truth is powerful. And it's deeply impactful in your life if you choose to be a doer of the Word. What James is telling us is that we need to internalize that message. We need to respond to what we hear. We need to respond to what we see. We need to respond to what we read and absorb that and make it a part of who we are. Because if we don't, then really, what's the point? Okay, you're going to have to humor me again. I love visual examples. I'm sorry. If you want to, you can close your eyes. You don't have to, though. But imagine for a second that you're sitting at your favorite restaurant, wherever, wherever it's at. Dads, where are they taking you to lunch today? Imagine you were at your favorite restaurant. Okay, you're there. Now imagine your favorite drink, whatever it is. I'm not going to ask you what's in the cup. Whatever your favorite drink might be, no judging today, that's sitting in front of you on the table. Got it? Okay, now let's keep going. Imagine your favorite meal. Don't hold back. Imagine the appetizer. Imagine the second course. Third course, fourth course, whatever it takes, imagine all of it. It's sitting there right in front of you. By the way, the bill's on me. You're fine. Don't worry about it. Keep piling it on. You got your meal there? Don't forget dessert. You got dessert? You got second dessert? You got it all, okay? And did I mention it's all calorie free? Did I mention that? This is, this is a divine meal. You got it all in your head? Now take a bite, put it on your fork, and drop it. Get up and walk away. My heart sank a little bit. I was really looking forward to that steak. But this is basically what James is talking about. He says he's got the, fruit, the truth right in front of you. God has prepared his very best for you. Don't just sit there and stare at it. Dig in. Internalize it. Otherwise, what's the point? What we do with God's truth defines who we are. So if we decide to ignore that truth and walk away from it, then really, who are we? What does that make us? This is what James says in verse 23. He goes on and says, because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forget what kinds of person he is. Now, I don't think any of us would probably forget what we look like in the mirror. There have been days where I looked in the mirror and I've forgotten to shave and I didn't notice. There's been days where my son has looked in the mirror and didn't realize his hair wasn't brushed. And that's okay, I still love him. But I also don't think any of us would sit down at our favorite meal and just leave it and walk away, right? But do you, do you get what James is trying to say though? He's saying that what we do with God's truth really does define who we are. He's saying that we need to look intently into his truth and align our hearts with it. 
And as tough as it may be sometimes, it may mean we need to change who we are or what we think or how we're living our life. We need to seek out the truth. We need to internalize it. And then we need to act. So what does the other side of the coin look like? What if we choose to act on what we see in that mirror? What if we choose to dive full force into that seven-course meal sitting in front of us and feast? What does that look like? James puts it this way, verse 25. He says, but the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. The result's simple. He doesn't sugarcoat it. There's no intricate details. There's no need for it. He says, this person will be blessed in what he does. You notice we're not promised a pain-free life. Life's gonna be tough. It's gonna have its heartaches. We aren't promised riches beyond our imagination. That million dollars on the side of the road, you're probably not gonna find it. The promise that James talks about here is simple. He says, you will be blessed. Now, I know some of you may be thinking, I hear that word all the time, blessed. It's a churchy word, right? Some people say it in passing, have a blessed day. How are you doing? I'm blessed. That's great, but what does it mean? Blessed means happy, content, and hopeful. Blessed. Despite the sadness of your life, if you are blessed, you can move forward in life happy in the knowledge of God, a God that loves you and sent his son to die for you. While we won't always get our way out there, you can be content in the knowledge that God has a master plan and that your eternal salvation is at the core of all he does. Although some days our, our efforts may feel helpless, you can be hopeful in the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And that is a hope that will never die. Now, I'd like to take a, your, your, a look at yourselves in the mirror for a second. We're talking about being blessed. Does that describe you? Do you feel happy, content, and hopeful? What we do with God's truth defines who we are. Who are you? What do you see in the mirror? Are you blessed? What are you doing with God's truth? Now maybe, if you're a lifelong follower of Jesus, you've read these passages dozens of times, if that's you, that is awesome. What are you doing with it? How are you continuing to make these words real in your life? How often are you really looking into this mirror to analyze what you see? There's an old hymn that some of you may have heard written by Thomas Obadiah Chisholm back in the early 1900s. He talks about God's great and ongoing faithfulness. And he describes it this way. He says, morning by morning, new mercies I see. If you are that lifelong follower of Jesus, do you continue to see God's mercies every morning? Has your response to God's truth defined who you are? Now, maybe you're someone that's out here and you're hearing about Jesus for the first time in your life. If that's you, that's okay. The question really isn't that different. The question is, what will you do with God's truth? 
Will you hear these words today and then turn around and go back to life just as it was before? Or will you pause for a second and give God's truth a chance? Please don't pass up this opportunity to find a meaningful hope in Christ. While the impact is life-changing, decision really isn't that hard. There's a few simple steps to take to do it. First thing we do is we admit. We admit to God that we're sinners. Like everybody else out there, we've messed up. We don't live life perfectly. You've lived a life that isn't exactly in line with God's truth. Don't feel bad about it. You're like the rest of us. Definitely like me. But admit that to God. Hey, I'm a sinner. Second thing we do is believe. We believe that Jesus Christ is God's son. He is the only one that has ever lived a perfect life. He came to earth to live, to teach, to die, and be resurrected so that everyone that believes in him can have eternal life. And the last thing he asks us to do is to confess. Confess our faith that Jesus Christ is your own personal savior. And the truth is, there is no other path out there that you will find salvation in. Christ suffered and died for your sins as much as he did for mine. And he offers an eternity of happiness to all those that are willing to confess that faith in him today. Admit, believe, and confess. They're the foundations of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I guarantee you that outcome that you'll find by taking those steps is truly, truly life-changing. If you have questions about that process, as you leave today, you'll see a table out to the side here. It's called our next steps table. If you have questions about what that looks like, what that discussion's like, what that life change is like, please stop by. We would love to talk to you about it. If you're online, same thing. Uh, Please uh, send us a a message through our website and we'd be happy to talk to you and get in touch with you that way. Now, whether you're a skeptic or a believer or somewhere in between, God's promise is the same. Those that embrace his truth will be blessed. Now, we started today talking about choices. And it's true, the world is full of choices, most of which don't really matter. Chicken or steak? Pepsi or Coke? Chocolate or vanilla? Now, I have my answers to those. If you don't agree with me, it's okay that you're wrong. It's fine. I'm just kidding. But um, really, at the end of the day, Those are just preferences. You put all of your preferences together, does that define who you are? It doesn't, you're so much more than that. Really, at the end of the day, if you choose six slits over M&Ms, and there's a debate about it, it doesn't make a world of difference which one you choose. What does is our response to truth. We've heard about that truth over the last few weeks in James. Last week, Chris told us a little bit about taking some practical steps to grow your faith in God. He talked about believing the gospel, about spending time in the Bible, about seeking God's purposes in your trials and in your life. Two weeks ago, Chris left us a challenge. He asked us, what does your story tell? What sort of legacy is your life leaving to impact others for eternity? Today, we've talked about a few generalities. Let's talk about specifics. So we've sought the truth, we've internalized it, we've learned we need to act on it, so how do we act? James tells us in verse 27, he gives us a few examples. He says, 
pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. He gives us two different examples of how to live out truth in our lives. First, he says that pure religion is visiting orphans and widows, not windows, orphans and widows, very different story. Um, he says visiting orphans and widows in their affliction. Now let's look at those two groups of people, orphans and widows. Both are people that are suffering in their current situation, right? In, this day, in the state age when this was written, both are people that were pretty much helpless to survive on their own. Both are people in need. Now it's possible that you are able and capable to take in orphans into your home. And if that's you, that's awesome, that's great. But that's not what the scripture is saying. It's, saying. it's not saying everyone has to adopt an orphan and then you're following the, the, the truth. It's saying you need to seek out people that are in need, people that need help, people that are, that are worse off than you. He says, true religion is giving care, love, and support to those around us that are in need. It's looking past ourselves for the benefit of others. Jesus puts it this way. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, don't just take that at face value, please. It's more than just love other people. Jesus says, love others as I have loved you. How did Jesus love you? Let's take a look at it. Jesus gave everything. Read his story in the Bible if you haven't. He gave up food. He gave up sleep. He gave his time. He gave money. He gave pride. He gave his life. He gave everything because he loves you. Now, we can't be Jesus. It's not possible. And we aren't asked to give everything to those in need. But really, when it comes down to it, what we give may mean everything to those that receive it. Now, in addition to helping others, James also says to keep oneself unstained from the world. James's word puts us right back at the beginning of our conversation today. The world's approach to truth and God's approach to truth are two very different things. James tells us to take God's path. Ignore the world's path. Don't take that idea of define your own truth and go wherever it leads you. Respond to God's truth. And that's where I want to leave us today with that question. How will you choose to respond to God's truth? No one's going to force you to go one way or the other. Really, when it comes down to it, it's between you and him. So let's ask ourselves honestly today, how will I choose to respond to God's truth? I sincerely pray that you will let God's truth define who you are. Let's go ahead and pray today. God, I thank you, Lord, for your truth. As difficult as it can be sometimes, God, I thank you for the ability to seek it and to make it a part of who we are. Lord, we live in a time where finding truth and dedicating our lives to live by it is harder than ever. There's so much in the world that surrounds us. There's temptation, there's sin, there are differing beliefs. God, there are struggles that keep us from really following where our hearts know we should be. 
Lord, I pray for us today. I pray that we would be able to recognize the truth when we see it. I pray, Father, that you would give us strength, strength to follow that truth, strength to leave our sin behind, strength to leave our past behind, strength, Lord, to know that there is a group of people out there that recognize God's truth. I pray, Father, that we would be the church, that we would be your church. God, I pray that we would reach out to those in need and be that support system to others around us. Help us to share that truth. God, as we leave today, I pray that you be with us. I pray that you would go ahead of us, that you would keep temptation from us. Lord, give us strength to follow you in all we do. In Jesus' name, amen.